welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got a Q&A, and I am nasally as fuck, so apologies if, uh, if you hear me sniffling. Um, it's, <laughs> it's ironic, because I never get sick, like I always hold off when Blakely gets sick, and usually that's not the case. Usually, like people who are parents know, if a, f- a little kid gets sick, you're like, oh, well, I'm fucked. Here we you go. You know what I mean? But, go again. <laughs> yeah. I always manage to like slide by. Slide by. Like, and uh, Shannon usually gets sick because she's with her at least two times more than I am. Yeah. Shannon's totally fine. Yeah. I'm the one that got it. And the funny this thing time. is, well, Blakely got croup, which is a children's illness. So I'm like, oh, I'm not a child. I can't get anything from her. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I wasn't even like worried about it. Apparently, you can transmit. I have a, uh, uh, one of Trans- my, uh, uh, clients is a uh, he's a doctor and he was like I've only read about in textbooks about adults getting croup mm. like it's possible but I've never actually seen it in, in all my years of practice I'm like well I might have got it maybe because my throat is fucked yeah but um, but we're managing we're hanging in there um, and it's funny and this is what I was about to say and then I said fuck let's just record but it's ironic too because so uh, Blakely was sick last week and um, and as you guys are listening to this, we're literally recording it the day before it airs because I just didn't have the voice to record this week. But um, last week, Blake got sick. And Saturday, we had tickets to Disney on Ice. She was so excited. We couldn't go. Damn. Yeah, I was pissed. Um, mainly just because she was so excited. Yeah. Was like, damn. So she, we didn't get to go to that. And then we were like, damn, Halloween's on Monday. Like, if she doesn't get better, we can't take her out in the cold yeah. And trick or treat and eat a bunch of candy. Like <laughs> she ain't gonna get better. And uh like literally Sunday she like started turning because they gave her this uh steroid stuff for her throat on Thursday night and it didn't work Friday, it didn't work Saturday, and we're like, Oh shit, it's not gonna work. Sunday started working, Monday she was totally fine. And then I was sick. <laughs> so we took her out and I was the one that was sick, but she got to <sighs> trick or treat, which was great. Um but it, I think it was like Friday last week, I told Shannon, I was like, All right. I'm going to challenge myself the whole month of November to a, um, like a health challenge. And I said, I wasn't going to really tell anybody. I haven't posted about it. Like this is the first time I've mentioned it and I've stuck to it so far, but, um, I was like, you know what? Like it's been too long where I keep saying I'm going to get more sleep and I'm, I track my sleep. I don't get enough sleep. I'm in bed long enough, but I get five to five and a half hours. It's not healthy. I tell my clients not to do that. Um, I don't, have a great HRV score when I started tracking that with the heart rate monitor every yeah. morning. It was just telling me like your sympathetic nervous system's too high. So high stress, not enough. Uh, parasympathetic tones, which is like rest and recover. And then I just stopped tracking it because I'm like, I don't want to see this. <laughs> and uh, as I'm preparing for the um, seminar at the fire department, the union, I'm like, the whole concept is managing stress, mental health, taking care of yourself, like how to do it while still having a high stress environment and job, which theirs is on another level compared to mine. And I'm like, man, okay, I'm going to do this. So I set it up to where I was like, every morning I'm going to do 30 minutes of cardio, like not burn as many calories as I can, not crazy, but like aerobic, you know? So some days it might be a walk with a weight vest. Some days it might be the bike in my garage. Some days it might be a circuit. So I did like the assault bike for a thousand meters and then band pull parts in a half kneeling position and then like yoga push-ups, so like movement-based stuff, like for a little sure. bit of mobility. But I'm like, I'm going to focus on my joints and my health and all these things for like the next 30 days. Nice. Boom, I get sick. Yeah. 
Like, if that's not God saying, like, slap me in the face and be like, damn right, you need this. Yeah. So I've stuck to it, but the mornings have been brutal, man. But um, I was like, all right, I'm going to get six and a half hours of deep sleep. Like, so, like, when you track your aura on your aura ring, which is probably one of the better sleep things that you can use, um, it'll tell you, like, in bed for X amount of hours, and then it'll say, like, you were asleep for this many hours, and you have REM sleep for this many hours, deep sleep for this many hours. So I'm like, okay. I don't care how long I'm in bed. I have to literally sleep six and a half hours. So I can be in bed for eight hours, nine hours. But if I'm watching Netflix or I'm rolling around, that doesn't really do anything, right? So I've been getting six and a half every night, seven, one of the nights this week. And it's hard to tell because I'm sick. So it's like, I feel like shit regardless. Yeah. But I'm going to stick to it all of November. Dope. It's the health challenge. See how cold, I feel. Man. It's going to be cold. Um, I bought a garage heater. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking those weight vest walks are going to Oh, no. I got frigid. a treadmill in the garage, so I'm just going to do it in there. Oh, gotcha. I bought this. Uh, it's like 100 bucks, and it's just like this big freaking heater you just plug in the wall for a garage, 500 square foot space. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if it actually does anything because nope. I haven't plugged it in yet. But um, I'm going to do it. So I'll report back to everybody. I think it's going to be good for me. It'll be eye-opening for sure. Um, and it'll be interesting to see like tracking sleep, HRV, health, all that to see if the cardio and the aerobic stuff and the sleep, how much it actually, you know, transfers and helps. But it's about time. It's about time I do it. I just wish that I could feel the benefit already. Yeah. So Hopefully it throws better before the fire department. I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to just man through it regardless, totally. but I think it will be. It's, it's already starting to get better for sure. Cool. Um, but, but yeah. And then obviously we, Signed the fucking papers yesterday. Uh, I was you, trying not to cough all over the paperwork while I was there. <laughs> but uh, for people that don't know, he's talking about the new tailored headquarters. Yeah, so um, real close. It's actually nice that we're going like down the street. But um, very, very excited, man. It was uh, it was kind of it was nerve wracking too because I'm like sitting there like, damn, this is. I mean, one, this is a big check. But um, and and for people listening too, I think I want to make this very clear. Uh, I was talking to. A few of the, the coaches DM me and were like pumped and I was like kind of talking about it. Um, there's a difference between buying a building and doing a build out. So I just want people to know like I'm not buying a building. Like um, I think so, a couple people responded to me as if like kind of like, you know, first form they bought a building. Yeah. And they, you know, I didn't buy a building. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not built a building. Literally. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah. we're not doing, we didn't buy a lot and yeah, we're building from go. ground zero. This is a, a place that is already established. So just like I did with the warehouse, except there's a difference between retail space and uh, commercial warehouse space. Um, one of the main differences is that is it's way more fucking expensive. That's the stressful part. Um, but it's also way nicer. So, I mean, everything from AC to heating, to flooring, to walls, to noise, to the bathrooms, the kitchenette, like Everything is just upgraded and just nicer. So it's going to be a much more professional setting for what we do, you know, and I'm very, very excited. This place has been amazing, obviously, but um, it's time to upgrade. So I'm very excited. So it's a little bit bigger. Uh, I'm sorry, a little bit smaller total, um, but we're maximizing the space so much better that it's going to feel bigger in my opinion. I mean, right now we have so much unused empty warehouse space for storage, some of which doesn't even have any storage in there. Yeah. So... This is like literally the cool thing about this is you basically take a shell of a big empty space and then I get to say, okay, I want a hallway that's this big. I want this many offices that are this big. I want the offices to be on this side. I want the gym to look like this. I want the bathrooms to look like this. The storage to be like this. Like everything is to the degree of what we need for what we do. So we'll have obviously me and Travel have our offices. We're going to have a guest office for the team when they come up. We're going to have a podcast studio, which I'm so excited about. That's going to make 
I know you're excited about that too. That's gonna make shit so much. You know better. who's gonna be super pissed? Yeah. Your dog. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do with him. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, I was thought about that too. I'm like, man, do I get like I gotta get like some kind of dog house or something? Like, I mean, I can't have him just waltzing around. Yeah, like it's gonna here. be way smaller for him. Is what I mean. Yeah, this is a. Disneyland I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, but let's be honest. That guy doesn't do it. Yeah. He's so lazy. It's like, um, I might actually leave him at the the pet resort a few days a week. Like a membership? <laughs> I already have a membership, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he has so much fun there. Yeah. And you, you pay th- uh, 15 bucks, I think? Wow. Maybe. A day. Yeah. Yeah. He just stays there all day and plays with dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. It's like, honestly, nope. it's so crazy that yeah. they have that for that price. But, um. Yeah, very very excited. So it's still it's still a pretty big commitment. It's still pretty scary um, because you do have to obviously make a financial commitment up front in order to get the building going because you have to pay for the build out. Um, a lot of it is factored into your rent as time goes on, but um, you still have to come up with money up front or else they don't think you're serious. So, um, but everything's going to speed up as far as pro- uh, productivity. Um, I'm excited for uh, the next time we get to host a seminar too. Like we'll be able to host way better seminars there in my opinion there won't be echo they're like um we'll be able to do more hands-on stuff there it's just going to be is there you were saying there's no windows is there windows in the gym mm-hmm. yep yeah uh, we're gonna, i'll turn them out though yeah. for sure but um yeah it's just i don't know it's controlled yeah oh it is for sure yeah. uh, way less lighting than here because there's not the overhead ones yeah, they're level it's way better yeah um yeah i can't i can't fucking wait um and we're we're gonna be doing some like courses and stuff too, so I'm excited about that because should we'll, be about the New Year's. Yeah, so. yeah. There's gonna be a lot of this year was like a big uh, structure and system like improvement year. Like just there's so many things that happen as you grow that you have to like take a step back and really try to uh, basically recreate like look at your vision and then recreate systems to like work for you right now, but also work for the trend you're growing in and where you're taking things and um, how the system or the team operates together. Um, And there was a lot of like taking a step back, recreating, taking a step back, recreating this year. So I'm excited that a lot of that's done. And now it's like, okay, things are about to, we're about to hit the throttle and go because we're going to get in this new building. The Taylor trainer is going to be done. Um, TLA is going to launch. Like all these things are going to be launching into the new year, which is just, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. I'm excited. 2023 is going to be nuts. Amen. And it's crazy that it's already 2023, man. Well, it's not, but. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it close. is, but it isn't. Don't blink. Yeah. All right, cool. We will get into the questions today, guys. So we have got a ton of questions from the form in the description. We also have a few that actually came in from Spotify. I deleted one of them. I don't know if you saw that. I did. They, were, they didn't even ask a question. They just said, it hey. It was a comment. Yeah. So for people listening who want to use the Spotify, there is a button that you can actually click and fill out a question, but apparently it doesn't really give you that much characters to ask questions with, which I was kind of surprised by. You're going to like limit them that much? I don't know. I don't know if it's like an Instagram Q&A style or what, but 
we'll have to play with it and test it. But as always, you can click that button and ask us a question. It's a green button on Spotify. If you're not on Spotify or you're on Spotify but you have a longer question, there's always a link in the description, the show notes of every single podcast that says ask us a question or whatever. When you click that, it goes to a form. Um, you don't have to put your name or email if you don't want to. Um, your email is never an option, so we won't take your information. It's just name if you want to be shouted out or not, and then you can leave us a question there. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Cody McBroom. I put them on my story every week. Um, and we bring a lot of those questions to the podcast too. So cool. All right, let's get into it. We have the first one coming from Joel Roy coaching. It says best mix or best way to mix strength and performance with hypertrophy in a single session or within a single program. There's, there's three main ways to combine any goal. Really? Um, I think strength and hypertrophy are just the most linear, there is. Uh, when we consider training for multiple goals, this is kind of like a concurrent training model. However, if we look at the research on concurrent training, it's primarily done using things like endurance and strength training. So it's usually like CrossFit style or it's people doing, hey, I'm going to train for a uh, Ironman or a half marathon or a full marathon or something like that. And I still want to maintain my lifts and my strength in the gym. So they combine those two. The problem with that is those two goals have the greatest interference effect. And what the interference effect is, is basically what it sounds like they interfere with each other. But uh, that's the term used in science when they study this. And the interference effect is basically how much does goal A interfere with goal B, right? So um, the greater the interference effect, the less you're going to accomplish with either of those goals. So we want to minimize the interference effect as much as possible so that we can progress the goal or goals as much as possible the, because the more of the interference effect that's present, basically you just make a snail pace progress or you just stand still. You don't make any progress, um, which is also fine if you want, if you're maintaining, you know, I think that's, that's also something that's seen in the industry a lot too, with like influencers and people who, um, who are doing, I, I don't want to say this cause I don't want it to sound like I don't think it's possible cause I do think it's possible. CrossFit proves it's possible, but there's a lot of people who, promote hybrid models of training, which I like hybrid models, but they market it in a way as if your progress is going to be really fast. So a hybrid model would be what I'm talking about. It's a concurrent model. Maybe you're doing hybrid bodybuilding. So you're running for a marathon and you're bodybuilding. There's a massive interference effect with running for a marathon and building muscle mass. Like it's, it's probably the greatest. It's way easier to build strength and endurance than it is to build endurance and muscle tissue. So I say that because there's a lot of people who promote those programs online that they're already jacked. Like they already did the bodybuilding thing. So when they train like this, the endurance style training is a new stimulus and it allows them to have that novelty effect and improve their endurance pretty quickly while maintaining their muscle by doing a little bit of bodybuilding. And then it looks like they're getting jacked and improving aerobic fitness a ton. No, they're not. They're maintaining. They've been an athlete for fucking 20 years, and they look jacked the whole time. So I only say that because you got you to gotta understand that no matter what, if you, if you do a concurrent model, you're probably going to limit your ability to progress pretty fast in either, either area or goal because of the interference effect. Um, so it's important to talk about this. Now, when we look at strength and hypertrophy, they're pretty uh, synony synonymous. Is that the word? Like basically like they're in a way, like, because if you, if you train for hypertrophy, you're also going to build strength, right? If you train for strength, you're still going to build some muscle. Now, because of that, there's a very, very minimal interference effect. Now you could potentially get stronger by only doing strength work and 
you could potentially get bigger by only doing hypertrophy work. But I can guarantee you're going to accomplish both at a good rate, no matter who you are, yeah. by doing both evenly. Um, the 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 closer you are to a newbie, the more important it, or the less important it is to lean towards one or the other. So the more advanced you get, the more you might want to go, okay, I'm going to do like 75% towards strength or hypertrophy, depending on what my goal is. And the other 25% will be towards the opposite. Um, so it's way easier to program this way because there's no interference effect. And I'm not going to, like we did a whole podcast on concurrent training, but for example, to admit you can also train for endurance and strength or hypertrophy and minimize some of that interference effect by splitting up the workouts quite a bit. Um, the problem is, is that you, to do enough volume of either to grow, you almost have to do two a days. So I think the best concurrent models and hybrid models that allow you to actually improve your aerobic fitness and get bigger or stronger, they typically use a two a day model, right? Like where, uh, kind of like what I was talking about today, like I'm doing cardio in the morning and then I'm going to be lifting in the evenings, four days a week. Um, and I'm going to be doing cardio every day. The, my challenge for November is 30 minutes every single day of the week, but I'm not doing it to a point where I'm pushing hard enough to really like, I'm not running a marathon. I'm doing it for health. So there's a difference there, but um, that would be a good model. Like you train six to nine hours later on the opposite end of the spectrum. And then the next day you do it again. Um, But for strength and hypertrophy, the best way there's, there's three main ways to go about it. Um, The first way is to do a daily undulated periodization model. This would be like a conjugate method in a way. So conjugate method is like West Side Barbell. They do a max effort day and a dynamic effort day. The difference with strength and hypertrophy is you would do a max effort day and then say a a repetition effort day or just a hypertrophy day period. So let's say on an upper lower split, which is probably the easiest, you could do it on a push-pull leg split. But nonetheless, you basically have to have it set up in a way where you have multiple days a week hitting the same muscle groups um, in two different intensities. So that's why an upper lower makes it really easy. If you're doing full body and stuff like that, it can get kind of confusing, but upper body day one might be max effort. Lower body day one will be max effort. Upper and lower day twos will be repetition effort for hypertrophy. So you have basically one day a week where you're going lower rep ranges. So maybe you're hitting like between the th- like one to five rep range for your compound. And then your accessories are all between six to eight. So everything is relatively low, low weight. You're doing heavier lifts, uh, more sets, less exercises Then the repetition or hypertrophy day your compound might be between five and ten and then the rest of your accessory and isolation exercises are going to be between eight and twelve maybe even upwards of 15 on the isolation because the other day you don't even really have isolation yeah. so like for example you might do a uh, trap bar deadlift for one to five reps heavy then you go to a split squat for like four to six reps per side maybe you have a hip hinge or some kind of other lower body exercise for another like five to eight six to eight reps that's it. Maybe some sled work. So like way less exercises. You're going heavy on all of them, more sets, um, very neurologically taxing. Whereas on the hypertrophy day, you might have three to four sets of like eight for your compound. Then your accessories are eight to 10. Your isolation exercises are all 10 to 15 reps. Um, and this is the day you're adding lateral raises, curls, things like that. So you can split it up that way where you're doing one day of strength, one day of hypertrophy per week. You can do a weekly undulated model, which would be the same exact concept, but you're changing it up every week. I don't like this way. This works well for people who program hop too often um, because it can be effective. It can work. I don't personally like it for a few reasons. I don't think it, to me, it's not a high enough frequency of the type of intensity to make maximum progress, but there is research to support this and it's good. But basically, instead of me going day one strength, day two hypertrophy, I would go week one strength, week two hypertrophy, 
rinse and repeat. So I would do an upper lower split, but both days of the upper lower split are going to be strength focused. Then the next week I might be doing the same exact thing, but hypertrophy focused. You can also do it. And I've seen it this way where you might go three days a week, full body strength. So low volume, heavy weights, week one, week two is an upper lower, or even like a push pull legs or a five day split of hypertrophy. So you're just alternating like low volume, high intensity week one, less days per week, more days per week, high volume, lower intensity week two hypertrophy. And you're just flip flopping back and forth. Um, and then the third and final way is to do this exact same thing, but per session, this is my favorite for most people, because I think most people just respond best to this. It's the easiest way to blend things. It's the easiest way to track things. Um, it's the least confusing for people. Um, and generally, like if you just ask somebody like a very non-scientific question of like, would it sound good to lift, lift something heavy and then get a pump? every session they're probably gonna say yeah like i like it you know you go in and you do your bench squat or deadlift it's heavy like heavy weight so maybe you're doing like a five three one protocol then you go into a session work and isolation work and get a pump so you go bench press for three to five reps then you go like some military press and pull downs for like six to ten or like eight to ten reps so still pretty heavy but more hypertrophy and then you have like some like supersets and circuits and bodybuilding shit after that but every single session, you just go from low rep to high rep by the end of the session, going from like high skill compound lifting to isolation exercises by the end of the workout. And you kind of just mix it all together in one. Um, that wouldn't be considered periodization. It would just be considered programming because periodization is more of like a long-term model. And even the guy that really, I don't know if he invented it, but he did all the main research. I should get him on the podcast sometime if he'd be willing to, um, Dr. Mike Zordos, he doesn't do a lot of content. I don't even know if he has an Instagram, but he's really, really good. He does, uh, he's part of mass research review, but he was the first one I ever knew doing any research on daily undulated periodization. And he calls it daily undulated programming now, because he says it's more of a programming model than a periodization model, because periodization is the idea that we're having like blocks and blocks of training programs over the course of a year. Whereas daily undulated is like session one, two, three within a week, you know? Um, which is, that's why programming is probably more important for most people than periodization. But um, yeah, those are the three models. Depending on who you are and which one sounds the best, that's that's the choice you're going to make. Totally. All right, love it. We will go to the next question. Is from Dilly Dally Dance. If I have to, it says, if I need to take a brief pause during a set, what does it mean? Do I need to drop weight or the amount of reps that I am doing? So, um, that's hard. Um, I think it depends, you know, like it depends on what kind of a break we're take, talking about here. Like for example, if you're doing a squat, so no matter what the break you're taking is not going to be under tension specifically. So and what I mean by that is like, if, like if you're doing a squat, nobody is like out of breath and stops at the bottom while the bars load on their back and go, oh, I need to take a break. Yeah. While they're fully loaded in the quads in a stress position. No, you stop at the top. But neurologically speaking, you don't stop at the top and get a really full rest. I mean, if you're stopping at the top of a squat, you're still holding weight on your shoulders. Your muscles are still tense. Your nervous system's still going. You haven't like stopped. So there's a difference between racking the bar and taking a break and stopping and taking a break, you know? Um, so it kind of depends on that. It depends on how long. Because if you're taking... Like, for example, if you do three, if you have sets of six and you get four and then you stop at the top and you're like, take a couple breaths, maybe it's five seconds max and you go back to it. I see nothing wrong with that. It's not long enough to show any meaningful uh, 
drop in time under tension, especially because time under tension isn't the end-all be-all, so it's not that important. Um, it's important, but it's not important to the f- effect of five seconds being an issue um, because your muscle's not literally under tension because it's not in a stretch position. But um, also, if that five seconds allows you to lift the weight you're lifting versus if you were to not take that five seconds, you'd have to drop 10 pounds off the bar. You're going to get more results by taking that five-second break at the top of a squat and keeping that 10 pounds on the bar than you are to remove that 10 pounds and try to, you know what I mean? Especially for muscle growth and strength. If we're talking about aerobic fitness and metabolic fitness, it's different because that's based on your tempo and consistent heart rate patterns. But Nobody's strength training really for that effect. They're doing it for the fact of building strength and muscle typically, I would assume. Um, so I, I see no problem with it. The other thing to remember too is like that's what cluster sets are. So if you do three reps, you rack it, you take 10 to 15 second break, you unrack it, do three more reps, rack it, 10 to 15 second break, three more reps, then rack it and take a good three to five minutes. That's a cluster set. You're doing nine total reps and you're doing three mini clusters within that total set. And cluster sets are used as a way to increase. I did a whole article about this, so we can write. Uh, let's let's link that in the show notes because it's. I really do think it's probably the most in-depth cluster set, like guide or article online for free, and I think that because I did extensive search <laughs> to see what else was written out there, um, and I do think it's the best one. But I talk about this in there, and the whole point of a cluster set, outside of just making your training fun and challenging and exciting and doing something new is to increase the amount of volume at a high intensity that you can perform, which is also why we never recommend people do it for more than two to three weeks. And then you have to take a deload or you should switch methods because it's very taxing. Because for example, if you can do 200 pounds for three reps and you can do 250 pounds for, I'm sorry. So let's say, uh, 200 pounds for three reps, or you could do 175 for five reps. Let's say. So, we're going to put 175 on the bar and you're going to do three clusters of three with a 10 to 20 second break in between. So now you're doing three reps with a five rep max, which is pretty easy. When you rack it, you take a break, you, you know, you gain an extra repetition because you're taking a break. Now you do three more. You still got a couple in the tank at least, but you take another break, then you knock out three more. Your final rep is probably going to be a push if you're using a true five rep max. Um, But even if you didn't get that, let's say you just got two, you're still doing way more volume with that load. So if you did 200 for three, what's 200 times three? 600 pounds so 175 times nine yeah i don't know what that is uh <laughs> what's two times nine 1800 yeah. minus probably like 1600 or something or? 175 times two is 350 1575 so 1575 that's more than double the volume than you did for 200 reps for three so in the moment you're like damn because of those mini breaks, I did really good. Yeah. You know, and it's not long enough to diminish the fact that you still hide your body under tension for that long duration of time. So you're still going to build a lot of muscle. You're going to build a lot of strength. Um, it's deceiving because you're easily able to do it. It feels less taxing than 200 pounds. But tomorrow, it's more taxing because on your system, it's way more weight. Totally. But it's a good way to trick this, the system. But the point with that is, is that is a method that is backed by science. There's actually studies on cluster sets and it is backed by years and years and years of training experience from coaches and athletes and people like that. And they're intentionally taking breaks in the middle of the set to improve their ability to tr- train harder and do more. So I don't think it's an issue at all for most, most of the time. Um, 
if if you're talking about like you're trying to do six reps and you hit four, you drop the weight, you shake it off, you wait 30 seconds, you go back at it. Yeah, that's you're going too heavy. Yeah. You need to chill. Um, if you're doing it because you're out of breath, probably need to work on aerobic fitness, but that's not that has nothing to do with your strength. Um, in fact, this is why a lot of like powerlifters and strongman athletes now are implementing more aerobic training because it is improving their ability to recover aerobically and metabolically during a set. You know, especially in strongman, you think they got to do like log presses, they got to do like yoke carries and like these atlas stone carries. It's really heavy and it's strong. I mean, you got to be so strong to even pick it up, but they also got to walk yeah. a distance. So now it's like if you're not able to improve your aerobic and oxidative system you won't be able to repair and recover as you're doing those prolonged sets and that's what's going to limit you because you'll get halfway done and your grip's fine but you're so taxed metabolically you got to yeah, drop the weight totally so um if that's your problem then you got to implement some aerobic training totally so do that that strong man thing is just mind-boggling to me nuts it's absolutely yeah. mind-boggling they're dude. so they're so cool to watch <laughs> those guys are so big yeah it's nuts <laughs> i want to see one in, in real life and just I mean, I, I went to uh, Mr. Olympia. It's all bodybuilders. But yeah. even that, like, they're just, they're so. literally so big. Like, you're you're on, like, you're way back in the stands. You see them on stage, and they still look massive. Yeah. Like, the re the announcer standing out there, and they're just. They're, the shadow. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, cool. Uh, we got, next one is coming from Diane Goodwine. This is from Spotify. I sa It says, I am a doctor. Who works mostly nights? Curious, do you have any tips, advice, or anything related to who, to people who do swing shifts related to fitness and nutrition? Yeah, um, it's it's very it's very difficult because there's no great answer. You know, I think that at the end of the day, the the truth is that swing shifts are very unproductive and disadvantageous like they're just not so it's very hard I think that one of the things that we have to realize is that you have to like accept that it is a very very subpar position to be in and then you just have to work on optimizing all the little things because those little things stack up to help quite a bit um, and this is where I also think like you know most research points to the fact that like nutrient timing and um uh, like some supplementation, uh, macronutrient ratio, like all kinds of different things just don't really, like even like food, micronutrients from food and food selection, it doesn't really matter because if your calories are equated, it all equals out. But nobody, they, they don't do studies on this stuff and bring in a bunch of people who are sleep deprived because they work night shifts. Like they just don't. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's a completely different ball game. And you can't tell me that refeeds, diet breaks, nutrient timings, things that will physiologically improve your cortisol levels don't help manage stress and don't help improve hormones. You just can't tell me that because if we look at like, no, we don't have studies to prove that either. But if we look at like the mechanisms of science, like what actually goes on in your body, like that's what those things can do. But if we have somebody who is getting plenty of sleep, has no stress, they're a college student, which is the majority of people in a study, of course, they're not going to do shit for them. They don't have anything. There's no stress presenting the need for it, you yeah. know? So with individuals like this, like um, I'm typically going to go with a lower volume training program because volume is, is going to produce more cortisol than anything else. Um, so very, very simple programming. I'm probably going to go full body um, and I'm going to do it because full body training sessions are probably going to burn more calories. I also like doing that because I think your, your training schedule is probably going to have to shift as the weeks go on. So rather than saying you're following a four day a week upper lower split, 
Like, I'm going to say you might train four days a week. You might train three. Shit, there might be some days we train two. You might have some extra time off, and you might train five days in a row. Like, it's better to have, like, a A, B, C training program, and then you just go through it as needed. Yep. Um, even Shannon does this because, you know, depending on Blakely's ballet, if she's sick, things like that, like, she yep. can't always guarantee the same amount of sessions. So if you have an A, B, C program, it's like – Week one, you might do A, B. Week two might be C, A, B, Cs because you might get four, but, like, you just keep rotating through them, um, and they're always full body. So it's, like, hip hinge, push, accessory, cardio. Like, that's how I would break down. That way, every single session you're doing some, like, uh, low rep, heavy work on a compound lift. You're doing a little bit of isolation or accessory exercises, and then you have some kind of 20-minute bout of aerobic training at the end. And one of the reasons for that is because – and I actually, like – I don't think people need that much aerobic training typically. Um, but when people are in positions like that, um, law enforcement, um, she's a doctor, but really any hospital work period. Um, anytime like your, your stress levels are high, potentially because of external things you can't control patients, people like that, but also because of your schedule, when you're 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 changing your shift or your night shifts and your your circadian rhythms out of whack, so your stress levels are going to be crazy. Um, it, it's important to do training models that are going to improve your body's ability to shift in and out of inter, or uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Kind of like what I was talking about, um, which is funny because I didn't read this question, but it, it pertains to exactly what I'm doing right now with the aerobic training because that's going to improve your HRV and your HRV is heart rate variability, and that's a signal of your ability to recover, right? And one of the ways to improve that is to do less volume in the gym, but do more aerobic fitness. That is slow, sustained paces, right? So you're, you're bringing your heart rate up to like a zone two, which would be like, I want to say like 60 to 70% of your heart rate max, which you can calculate by doing, I want to say, look this up people, but I, I want to say it's 220 minus your body weight, or sorry, 220 minus your age. So for me, I'm 30, 220 minus 30 is 190. So 190 beats per minute is my, you know, my max heart rate. Gotcha. Then I would do 60% of that for a zone two, 60, 70%. And I just stay in that zone for 20 to 40 minutes. Like that is like, it's not like crazy intense, but it's extremely helpful for recovery, your aerobic system, stuff like that. Um, so that's how I would do the training. And you're going to be training anywhere between two to four days a week, depending on your schedule. Um, and then I would be prior to prioritizing nutrient dense foods because the more vitamins, minerals, and micronutrients you can get through your diet, the better. Um, I would be prioritizing high levels of protein, obviously the same normal stuff for macros, high protein, moderate carb, moderate fat. Um, I think there's, you know, there's on one sense you, you want to get starchy carbs cause that's going to help, um, with cortisol levels, stress levels. But at the same time, if cortisol is chronically elevated because of the night shift and all that stuff, and you are having hormone detriment, you're obviously going to need adequate amounts of fat. So you want to have almost like a zone diet, which is basically just even kind of, it's not, it's higher protein, but like 40, 30, 30 split. High protein, moderately high, or moderate carbon fat, right? Um, and then splitting your, I wouldn't do any intermittent fasting. Split your nutrients throughout the day evenly so you're just getting frequent feedings of good, high-quality meals um, with that kind of training and just be patient. Like, there's really nothing else. It's like, do the meditation, do the walks, do the, like, all the little things that they say help improve stress levels, but you do them and you won't notice. Yeah. Like, because they don't make that big of it. It's like creatine. You take creatine, it helps you build muscle. Nobody takes creatine in the next day. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> like, my arms are getting bigger. Two years later, you're like, oh, shit, that might have worked. 
but it might not have. I don't know because I've been training for two years. So was yeah. it the training or was it the training and creatine? Yeah. We know by research it's training and creatine, so. uh, but it's marginal, you know. But those are those marginal things are the things you want to add in when you're in that position because anything is helpful and it's just stacking the 1% stuff. Totally. So, Love it. That's my best advice. Yeah, great question, Diana. All right, uh, we got one here coming from Brittany Urban. It says, can someone really eat 1,000 calories a day? I have a client who could not eat more than 900 to 1,000 calories a day, uh, claiming she ha- was always too full to eat more. I tried giving her numerous tips on eating more, especially with giving or with getting her protein in. She is training in, in person with me three times a week and still progresses in weights. I am shocked she can even work out without passing out. I know you mentioned in another episode if someone if somewhere or if some I think she meant if someone were to be really eating that low of calories, they would be skin and bones, which she is not. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think you're asking for uh confirmation bias right yeah. like i think you're right <laughs> so entertain that hypothesis because i don't think i mean at the end of the day 900 to a thousand calories yeah, she would be lean you know maybe not sticking bones yet but she'd be lean you know um even if you're met and this is where like i had people like yeah but people who are there's research to show you can be metabolically adapted while you're obese or overweight yeah, of course. Metabolic adaptation just means your your body is adapting. It doesn't mean that you're never going to – like if you go from 2,000 to 1,800 calories and you're overweight, your body's adapting because you're eating less calories. So you're adapting. So metabolic adaptation is going to be a signal that is shown in research. But if you're eating 900 calories, you're not 50 pounds overweight. I'm sorry. Like maybe 10 pounds and maybe metabolic adaptation is getting in the way. But part of metabolic adaptation is hormonal changes. Part of hormonal changes is cortisol fluctuations and hunger hormones spiking up, which both cause cravings. So are you really at 900 calories every day or are you metabolically adapted to those 900 calories and then every 7 to 10 days you have a binge that you gain 5 pounds because you're eating all the ice cream inside? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which is caused by the metabolic adaptation. So it's not metabolic adaptation slapping extra fat on your body. It's metabolic adaptation triggering binges that cause you to stop weight loss from happening. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, like she's probably not. And, and I would agree with the main key point there too is you couldn't train that hard. Like there's research they put people on 500-calorie diets when they're obese individuals. They're just like shake diets and stuff. And for them, it's actually super helpful because they're 200 pounds overweight. Like they need to go on a 500 calorie diet and lose massive amounts of weight as fast as possible because their health is actually deter like causing them to get closer and closer to death. Like they are in a scary position. Yeah. So these people in a doctor supervised study will do the shake weight loss. They lose hundred pounds in 12 weeks, like just crazy shit. But those people aren't athletes training in a gym. They're not doing anything <laughs> walking at most. And they have 200 pounds of extra body fat to give them as energy. So if somebody's training in the gym, I can tell you like that, I can tell you they don't have 100 pounds to lose, 50 at most maybe. Uh, even if they have 60, 70, they still have enough, I, I, we can call it preservatives, to like supply them with fuel stored on their body, right? So um, yeah, it's so like even if she had enough stored body fat to support her training where she didn't fall over and faint, um, you would be seeing her losing weight. So if you ask the same question, but she was losing one to two pounds a week, I would say, yeah, she probably is, but she's losing weight every week. And at a certain point, she's not going to be able to do it anymore because her calories are too low and she won't have the energy to train. But if she's not losing weight, which I think is what she's saying, right? Yep. 
and she's able to train that hard. Yeah, she's probably not actually eating that many calories. Um, and if she is, she's not eating that many calories every day. So individuals like this, it's best to just really teach them how to track properly. So you can do that by, you know, like really micromanaging their intake and their MyFitnessPal to see everything that they're consuming. Um, I also like putting people on a meal plan when they're like this because I want them to see, you know, okay, if I'm going to structure your meal plan to look like this and be this weight for everything, this is all we're going to eat and just be real with me. You'll see like the first week they go, oh yeah, I was, I was mistracking, you know, or they start losing weight and we both know why, you know, I've I've done this with people where I've increased their calories when I put them on a meal plan and they start losing weight when they weren't losing weight on less calories before. Well, that's because they were mistracking and they thought for sure they were accurately tracking and they were eating what I thought they were, what I told them to be eating. Um, but they, they were overeating calories by a long shot, and it wasn't because they were lying. It's because that they didn't know how to properly track certain things. So by regulating their diet, by using simple ingredients, simple meals that don't have 27 ingredients per meal and things like that, you can actually get them to lose weight following your meal plan, and it allows you to really, really regulate things and ensure that they're going to be seeing success, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, confir- confirmation bias you need is... Pro- She's probably not eating that. Yeah. And then she's definitely not doing it every day. So have a conversation with her. Um, do it with empathy, you know, and emotional intelligence and just c- come at it from that standpoint. That's I think good. You're fine. You know? Yeah. So. Cool. That's it. We uh, got any announcements? I think we laid them all out on the table right at the beginning. New buildings coming. Um, we got a bunch of new stuff going into the new year. So these will be these things will be dropping as the new year or as this year wraps up and as the new year starts. So just keep on the lookout for all these new cool things. Um, and as always, the main thing we do is coaching. So if you listen to this podcast, if you follow my content, uh, if you want to dive into deeper content, we have free guides on the, on the website as well that are literally, as I just said, free, download them, uh, 87 page eBooks, training programs, Check recipe out that guides, cluster, that cluster set blog. The cluster set blog is very in-depth. Um, shit, some of the free articles are basically free guides too. So just go check out the content and stuff. If this stuff resonates with you and you're ready to take the next step, get through the holidays and actually lose weight instead of gain weight, you know what to do. Hit us up. You can head over to tailoredcoachmethod.com slash online dash coaching, or you can click the link in the description of this podcast. As always, we appreciate you guys listening and we'll catch you next time. Peace.